everybody, welcome into Locked On Nittany Lions, your Penn State podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Monday, February 24th, 2020. We get a brand new week started talking some Penn State sports. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. Happy as always to be here with you doing so. And we have a lot to get into in today's episode. In our first segment, we'll recap some of the highs and lows from this weekend in Penn State sports. And to be honest, there were some good highs and there were some demoralizing lows. We'll take a look at some of the headlines from this weekend, including the latest update from Thon. Check out the donation total from this weekend's dance marathon out in State College. In our second segment, we'll take a look at one of the five newcomers that Penn State football has to look forward to in 2020. It's inspired by a post that's going up on athlonsports.com this week as well. And in our final segment, we'll take a latest look at the NCAA transfer rules. It appears there's going to be a waiver process that's going to be much more forgiving for student athletes. We'll dive into the latest that came out of that development from last week uh, from the NCAA. So a lot of stuff to get into in today's episode. Make sure you never miss a single episode on your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We're also on Himalaya, so if you're using that to listen to your podcast, go ahead and subscribe. And then once you are subscribed, make sure you leave a rating and a review. It really does help the show with our, your feedback, and it does help us grow on those various podcasting apps. So whatever you use to listen to podcasts, help spread the word. It'll help us out in 2020. Now's a great time to get involved. And we also want you to be a part of the show. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked on Nittany. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Locked on Nittany. Connect with us. Send us your questions. Send us your comments. We'll include them in the show as well. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and get this episode started. We are trying to branch out and just touch on some of the other Penn State sports that are going on outside of the world of football whenever we get a chance. And I think Monday's episodes generally have a good opportunity to do so, kind of recapping everything that has happened over the weekend for sure and maybe the past week that we haven't touched on. Now, it was a tough week for the basketball program. They took the home loss at Illinois, had some struggles against Indiana. We'll get to that in just a minute. But there were some highs that really need to be honored here on the podcast. And the men's hockey program continues to be climbing in their own way and this is a huge weekend for Penn State ice hockey team uh, getting a chance to host Minnesota in Penn State's final weekend of regular season play and a battle of first place teams in the Big Ten between Penn State and a traditional powerhouse like Minnesota this is a huge opportunity and Penn State seized it they get a wild overtime victory on Friday night. They come down after a 2-0 deficit in the first period to score three unanswered goals to take Saturday's game and put themselves four points up in the Big Ten standings going into the final week. That is huge for this program as we get closer to that Big Ten tournament. Now, Penn State's going to be off this upcoming weekend. They're going to be watching closely to see what Minnesota and Ohio State do. Uh, Penn State is four points ahead of both the Buckeyes and the Gophers. So Minnesota and Ohio State each have a chance to pass Penn State, but Penn State is going to finish no worse than third place in the regular season standings in the Big Ten. They will be guaranteed a home uh, ice advantage in the Big Ten quarterfinals. Opponents to still be determined, and of course the seeding is still to be determined. But the fact that Penn State is going to be sitting back and watching to see what Minnesota and Ohio State do, uh, knowing that they are four points up, that's a good position to be in, as good as they can possibly be outside of actually clinching the top seed going into that last weekend of Big Ten play. 
So again, Minnesota and Ohio State are both going to get a couple cracks to pass Penn State in the standings. They'll each get a chance to do so. Uh, you know, two wins by either team is going to move them ahead of Penn State. Uh, you know, if Minnesota and Ohio State lose one of their games this upcoming weekend, Penn State takes the top seed going into the Big Ten tournament. That would be huge because the home ice advantage certainly seems to be a pretty pretty good selling point for this program right now uh, at the Pagula Center really rocking as Penn State was capitalizing on their final regular season games uh, against a very good Minnesota team so that place looks to be electric when the Big Ten tournament opens up they will get the home ice advantage at least for the quarterfinal and then we'll see what happens after this weekend when we take a look at those Big Ten standings going into that Big Ten tournament number one Penn State lacrosse team got a chance to Got a chance for revenge against a team that eliminated them from the NCAA tournament last year, and that was number three, Yale. Unfortunately for Penn State lacrosse, they come up short, and they fall behind early 6-1 to one, uh, against a very good Yale program, uh, and they just weren't able to climb out of that hole. You know, As much as they tried, Yale always had an answer. Uh, so Yale goes up 6-1, to one, Penn State climbs back, they're down 6-3 to three, going into halftime. And then they start to chip away in that third period, but uh, you know Yale eventually flexes a little bit more muscle in that fourth period, fourth quarter, and you know, just holds off Penn State. You know, it was a little bit too little, too late for Penn State on the lacrosse field, but uh, it's going to be a, a very good lacrosse season, I think, for Penn State moving forward. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that as well, because lacrosse is a pretty good sport. It's a pretty fun sport as well. It's something that uh, I grew up. You know, not playing or anything, but I know that it's got a pretty good following in the state. You know, at least from where I'm from in Chester County, it was pretty big. <laughs> I know uh, my Westchester East Vikings had a pretty good program back in the day. Uh, so uh, lacrosse is a sport that's growing, I think, and I think more and more people are starting to get on board with it. It's not going to be one of the major sports, but you know, certainly Penn State has a very good lacrosse program. So I feel like uh, that's not something that's going to be going away. And I think, you know, the growth of the hockey program, the growth of the lacrosse program, love seeing what's happening with the basketball program right now, despite a tough week. There's a lot of optimism going forward with the Penn State Athletics. And among the bright spots in the Penn State Athletics Department this season has been the men's basketball program. Unfortunately, they're just coming off the end of a pretty tough week. After climbing up to number nine in the AP poll last week, a week ago, they went out and lost at home against Illinois, and after a few more days off, they go on the road and come up short against uh, Indiana on the road. Got behind big time in the first half, of dug a really deep hole, and despite a valiant effort to come back and make a game of things in the second half and look like they were could potentially win that game on the road in Assembly Hall, Indiana just has a couple more answers and had just had a little bit more oomph down the stretch to hold off and beat Penn State by a score of 68-60, to 60. so Two losses in the last week for the men's basketball team. Still got four games left on the regular season schedule before going into the Big Ten tournament. Still looking like Penn State's going to be at a pretty good spot as far as the Big Ten championship tournament is concerned. Uh, but obviously, this is a tough week to take a couple of losses because you're, you know, I don't know if catching Maryland for that top seed was really realistic, but there was a chance. And now it's going to be a little bit more difficult. And, and now they're, they're still trying to play for one of those you know, top two seeds, which is still very doable. And they're going to get a couple games that are should potentially be in their favor against Northwestern and Nebraska at the end of the season. Still got to play Rutgers, though. And Rutgers, you know, obviously beat Penn State earlier in the year in Big Ten play. Rutgers will come out to Happy Valley. Uh, so that's going to be a pretty big game, especially considering the season that Rutgers has been having. And it's been that way really throughout the Big Ten and really in college football or college basketball all around the, the sport this year. Uh, it was a 
if you're going to lose a couple of games, this may have been the week to do it because everybody seemed to lose, or most everybody seemed to lose. So we'll see how that affects the latest AP rankings. Don't expect Penn State to plummet down the AP top 25, but it was a bad week as far as wins and losses are concerned with two losses, one of them being at home against Illinois, and then again on Sunday uh, on the road against Indiana. So it would have been great to have one of those wins. Certainly it would have been awesome to have two of those wins go uh, Penn State's way. But unfortunately, now they got to regroup a little bit. But again, this is still a really good basketball team. And we'll see where they can go from here. I still think they're going to rebound. still think they're going to go into the Big Ten Championship tournament in a pretty good spot as far as the seeding is concerned. But obviously, this is a tough week for the men's basketball program. My assignment this week for Athlon Sports was to put together a list of the five newcomers to watch for the Nittany Lions in 2020. And generally, this is going to rely a lot on the latest recruiting class that's coming into Penn State. And as you'll see across Athlon Sports, we're doing this for a number of different schools. Penn State's going up this week. But I figured this is a good opportunity on the podcast this week to kind of highlight some of the thoughts and discussions I'm having as far as this list is concerned. So each day on this podcast this week, we're going to take a look at one of those players that's being highlighted in this article for AthlonSports.com. Of course, make sure if you want to get some more on this, go ahead and check out the full list on AthlonSports.com. Check out the Penn State football content there. And of course, I will link to this on our Twitter account at LockedOnNittany. Today, to get our week started, we're going to talk about the biggest defensive player that's being brought into the Penn State program this year through the recruiting class of 2020, and that is outside linebacker Curtis Jacobs. Now, we already know that Michael Parsons is coming off a huge season where he's been becoming more and more of a breakout. I don't know if it's a household name, but he's certainly a breakout player that a lot of people are starting to pay more and more attention to, and that's going to continue going into the upcoming season. But Eventually, Michael Parsons is probably going to be leaving, and he may very well leave after the 2020 season, so Penn State needs to find their next star linebacker, and maybe it's going to be Curtis Jacobs. Now, of course, getting a chance to get him on the field as early as possible is always going to be key, and Penn State wants to have that strong linebacker lineage as the program is known for, and I think a guy like Curtis Jacobs is someone who could develop into continuing that legacy in a relatively short period of time. Jacobs was bumped up to a five-star recruit status according to 24-7 Sports uh, in late January. So obviously Penn State is getting a very talented linebacker coming in. And I think a lot of people are kind of feeding off of the senior year he had in high school. And there's a very good chance that he's going to get some early playing time and maybe not necessarily a starting role, but he could easily work himself into having an impact in his freshman season. I don't think there's going to be a lot of time to waste. And I think the fact that you can play freshmen up to four games before burning their redshirt status, uh, that is always a plus when you have a kid that's as talented with as much potential as Curtis Jacobs appears to be bringing to Penn State. Now, again, I think that he's going to be playing more than four games, so I don't know if the, the redshirt thing is going to come into play this year. Again, you've got a five-star linebacker. You're going to get him on the field as soon as he's comfortable uh, being a part of that defense. Because you know, as talented as some players may be, whether they're four stars or five stars, there is a little bit of a learning curve. As good as they are in high school, getting a chance to go into major college football, the Big Ten, uh, things are going to pick up pretty quickly. And not everybody makes that transition uh, as smoothly as you know, Michael Parsons, for example. And you know, sometimes there's going to be a little bit more of an adjustment. I will see what happens with Curtis Jacobs, but again, all the the scouts out there, the the people that follow the recruiting, suggest that he's going to have 
a chance to really break into the mix very early on the season. So I, I fully expect that we're going to see Curtis Jacobs landing himself a pretty prominent role in the defense, uh, complementing Micah Parsons moving forward as the defense moves forward this season. By all accounts, he appears to be as athletic and as versatile as they come. And I think, you know, more and more as you see the college, the world of college football evolve, especially this linebacker position, the versatility is very key. Yeah, that's why you have guys with safety experience as uh, Jacobs does have from high school. And I think that that's a very key component as the game offensively moves more towards the passing game because you can't rely on your linebackers to just shut down the run and, and maybe cover across the middle. They may have to dr drop back a couple steps every now and then. And I think a guy like Curtis Jacobs having that experience in the, the defensive secondary as well as the linebacker, he's going to have some good ball awareness. Again, uh, you know, there could be an adjustment period. We'll see. But it does feel as though he is a, he's molded perfectly for what this game is evolving to. And I think what Penn State's going to need out of their linebackers in the future. Of course, Penn State fans will have to wait a little bit before they get their first glimpse of Jacobs in a Penn State uniform because he's not one of the early enrollees. He's going to be showing up on campus later this summer. So he's going to go ahead and finish out his high school time as a senior, move on from that, and then eventually over the summer he'll get out to Happy Valley. He'll start going through the, the training, the off-season conditioning, and all that good stuff leading into training camp. And that's why it's always nice to have those early enrollees, but I fully endorse a kid getting a chance to live out his final few months of high school. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And you know, while it's nice to get an early jump on your college football career by getting enrolled early, you know, sometimes wait until the summer, it's not that bad. And again, there's a lot of potential here for Jacob. So I don't think uh, not being an early enrollee is going to hurt his chances of uh, seeing the field pretty early on in any way whatsoever. Again, when you're as talented as he is and when you're as versatile as he is, Penn State's coaching staff is going to find a way to get him involved uh, when they are ready to do so. So he is going to be showing up in the summer. You'll see him in training camp. We'll get your first glimpse of Curtis Jacobs very likely in week one. Uh, so you've got a little bit of time to spare, but he's a player that is certainly the highlight of this recent recruiting class. And I think you know, there's a lot of focus on the offensive side, which we're going to go through throughout the week. And on this article on Athlon Sports, I put a lot of focus on the offense, but certainly Curtis Jacobs is going to lead this class moving forward and carry on that linebacker U mentality for Penn State. Again, I will post the story to this Athlon Sports article with the five newcomers to watch for the Nittany Lions in 2020 as soon as it is available. I don't know exactly what day it's going to be posted on Athlon Sports. It could very well be posted by the time you're listening to this, but I will share that link with you guys on our Twitter feed at Locked on Nittany. I'll also throw it up on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Locked on Nittany. Make sure you check out all my Penn State and college football coverage on Athlon Sports at athlonsports.com. Previously on the podcast, we discussed how the ACC had come out with a full endorsement of the idea of changing the transfer rules to allow for a free one-time transfer for any student-athlete where they wouldn't have to wait a full season of, say, college football or college basketball before they're ruled eligible to play once again. So a player could leave one school, transfer to another school, and be eligible to play immediately, supposing that they follow a lot of the academic requirements and other requirements that uh, any student-athlete has to comply with. 
Well, shortly after that, the NCAA's Division I Transfer Waiver Working Group came out with a statement saying that they're hearing the concerns and they are prepared to move forward with adjusting the waiver process. Now, this doesn't necessarily change the whole uh, transfer process, but it is a big step forward and it kind of gets around the gray areas and the, the timeline where you have to wait for official rules to be changed. The change could happen pretty quickly too. And by quickly, I mean it could be in play for the 2020 season, which really changes the current transfer game that's already out there right now as players are going into the transfer portal, including some players from Penn State. And this could have a dramatic impact on what happens as far as the transfer game is concerned this season. So the, what's happening here is not the NCAA changing the transfer rules. The transfer rules are still going to be that a player has to sit out a full season before they are ruled eligible to play again. But what's being changed here is the relaxation of the waiver process, where the waiver process is going to be much more player friendly and much more forgiving, supposing that they still meet a couple of guidelines in order to qualify for a waiver exemption. So the, the way the process currently works is a player who wants to have immediate eligibility has to file for a waiver from the NCAA to be approved so that they are ruled eligible to play immediately the following season. So if a player is transferring in the spring and they want to play in the fall, unless they're a graduate transfer, they have to apply for a waiver. And usually the NCAA will be forgiving if there's a family medical issue going on, or maybe there's extenuating circumstances that have forced a player to relocate for whatever reason. That's typically what happens. But as the waiver process has become a little bit of a sticking point and a debating point, given the way that some players have been approved for waivers and other players have not, this is something that's clearly needed to be addressed. And the good news is the waiver transfer, the waiver working group is working to do what they can to make this a little bit more dealable moving forward, at least for the players. So the way the process could potentially work now, assuming that the Division I Council approves these changes, which I think that they will when they get around to those meetings, the way the process will work is a player will still have to wait their full year before they're eligible to play again. But if they file for a waiver, they can receive immediate eligibility if they receive a transfer release from their previous school, they leave their previous school academically eligible, they maintain their academic progress at the new school, and they leave under no disciplinary suspension. For a lot of players, that's good news because they're going to qualify and check off each one of those items on the to-do list. Some players may not have it quite as easy given their certain circumstances, but for the large majority of transfers out there, this is probably very good news. Now, I'll stress this again, this change has not become official. It's just seemingly very likely that it is going to be official as soon as possible. And again, I don't know when the Division One Council is going to meet on these uh, rules. They generally happen late spring, I believe, uh, into the summer. So you'll get an idea of when these rule changes are about to happen, or at least the amendments. They do change the rules for college football and college basketball, I think every other year. But I think that the, some rules could be changed on, on any year, any given year. But it's, again, this is not an official rule change to the NCA transfer process, but the waiver process, they can, they can change at any time. So getting a chance to get the Division One Council to agree to these changes, I think is going to be pretty uh, pretty easy to do because it seems like it has generally uh, widespread support 
from throughout the world of Division One, not just the Big Ten and the ACC, but the commissioner of the MAC, John Steinbrecher, uh, he's come out and endorsed these changes as part of the uh, the Division One council. So this is very likely to happen. And when it does happen, it, uh, the, the idea is that it's going to be implemented for the 2020 2021 academic year which of course would include this upcoming fall season so any football transfer that wants to apply for a waiver and if they meet all those conditions they'll be eligible to play right away this season so that's huge i think again that is a big step forward i think for the transfer process i've always been somebody who has endorsed giving the student athlete the power to decide where they're going to play and um you know with some exception, when they can play. And I think that this would be a big step forward. And I totally endorse it as well. And I would like to see it become the first major step towards actually changing the transfer rules. But again, that'll be something that is dealt with, I think, the next time around. So the NCAA is still kind of allowing the working group to monitor the situation and make some changes where they see fit before they officially change the rules. Remember the Big Ten proposed this formal rule change last year for the transfer process so that players could have immediate eligibility. That was put on hold by the NCAA to allow this working group the time to really dig in and evaluate everything as much as possible to determine whether it was necessary. Uh, so I guess next year is when that formal change could be made official. And again, I do think that this will be a step towards that. So I, I think the rules are changing. This is a big step forward because I do think the Division One Council is going to approve this when they get a chance to formally vote on this and allow the waiver process to be amended. I think it's a win. Let me know what you guys think. You can always chime in on any of these topics with us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. Check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Let us know what you think about the potential changes to the Division I waiver process as far as transfers are concerned. And that's going to bring this episode of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast to a close. I want to thank you guys for listening and subscribing and rating and reviewing on all your favorite podcasting apps such as Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Himalaya. We've got the RSS feed out there as well. So if I didn't mention your favorite podcasting app, go ahead and add that RSS feed so you can make sure you never miss a single episode. And again, we just appreciate the support and the opportunity to help grow this podcast on those various podcasting apps in 2020. We also want to make sure you are connected with us on Twitter and on Facebook. So make sure you check out our Twitter account at Locked On Nittany and check out the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. Once again, I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Kevin on CFB and check out my national college football coverage on AthlonSports.com as well as college football talk on NBCSports.com. More stuff to get into with the newcomers coming into Penn State for the 2020 season throughout the week right here on the podcast, but I'll also make sure to share that link with you guys to the story on AthlonSports.com once it is available. So go 1-0 today, get your week started on the right foot, and let's have a good week throughout the state of Pennsylvania and beyond. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll talk to you again very soon.